Welcome back to episode number 103 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's all of our voices, guys, so keep comments, questions, concerns, headaches, problems. I don't care what it is. If it's bugging you, it's got to be bugging me, and it should be bugging all the other people out there, too. So email me, jeff at the npdude.com. You can always catch me on Facebook. You can give me a personal message there as well, Jeff Powers. Housekeeping. We have, uh, oh geez, we had a big surge last night, I don't know, 1570, high 1570s I think. So it's gone up quite a bit in the last couple days. I appreciate you guys sharing the show and telling people about about what's going on and uh, there's this wacky guy driving through Northeast Ohio in his car talking on a recorder and uh, doing a podcast. So I appreciate you guys spreading the word. The, um, The way you can share the word, oh boy, raccoon, almost nailed him. The uh, way that you can share the show, the best way to do it is to share the show, is to actually just go on Facebook when I post an episode or there's an episode that you like, you think that's important to somebody that you know, go ahead and share it. Just share it or tag them or or send them uh, my link, which is at the NP dude, and it'll send them right to my page on Facebook. The, um, the other way you can do it is to give me a rating. I haven't had any ratings recently on Facebook. I've got a couple on iTunes. I got a negative rating. I got a one. Somebody give me a one. I'm cool with it, but they didn't tell me why. So if you're going to give me a, a rating that's uh, less than stellar, all I ask is you give me a little bit of an idea why it's a one or a two or a three or whatever. I don't care what it is. A three to me is average. And I honest, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm average at best. I'm just having some fun. So, um, just please keep in mind, if you give me a one, I'm, I have no idea what that means, but, um, you know, if I'm not your cup of tea, I'm not your cup of tea. I'm cool with that. Just tell me, give me a reason why. So I can at least try to fix the show. If there's something that's, uh, you know, it's just my style isn't what you like, then I, you know, I can't really fix that. I'm, not, I'm who I am. I'm not going to change that. But, uh, you know, if, if it's something that's, you know, maybe topical or, you know, just, you know, you don't like something about the show and it's something I might agree with and I just don't realize I'm doing it, tell me. I'll see what I can do. I'm not. I'm not going to change everything about me, but I might change the sh- make the show better. Absolutely, I will. So um, I do appreciate people, even if they give me a one, to take the time to give me a rating because it is their time and it's valuable. So thank you. I appreciate it. The um, the other thing you could do to support the show. Some of the best ways you can sh- support the show, other than telling and sharing and and liking and and all that good stuff, is to use my Amazon affiliate link. It's a great way to help monetize, help me get some money to help pay for web hosting. It's really easy to do. You go to my website, thenpdude.com. You don't do it through Facebook. You can't get there from there. You have to go through my website. If you see and click through web through Facebook to my website, then yeah, you can see that that's right there. You'll see the Amazon link on my main page. You click on that link. It takes you to Amazon. You do the shopping you otherwise would have done. It doesn't cost you another single penny. I promise you it does not. But what it does do is kick me back a couple percentage of your purchase. It doesn't make me a lot of money, but hopefully at the end of the year when it all adds up, it's going to be enough to help me pay for web hosting. So I appreciate those that are doing it. Um, I got one weird purchase. It was kind of funny because I was talking to my dad that was over at his house doing some work around his house helping him. And he... um, as he asked me how the Amazon thing was going, I said, well, I got, you know, I got some weird stuff on there. He goes, well, what'd you get weird? And I said, well, I got somebody that bought a handrail for their camper. And he goes, yeah, that was me. <laughs> so it was funny that my dad bought something through my Amazon affiliate link. Thanks, Dad. I <laughs> appreciate the support. So keep keep uh, keep using that, guys. It's really a great way to help support the show. So what do we want to talk about today? What's a good thing? To, oh, let's do this. I haven't done this in a little while, and I've gotten a lot more people listening to the show. And a lot of people are sending me PMs 
just knowing that I'm an attorney, but they really don't understand what, what the scope of who I am is. So it's, every now and then it's just nice to spend a minute or two to say, who is Jeff? So a quick history of me. My name's Jeff. I'm a nurse practitioner in Ohio. I've been an NP since August of 2016. I started working, got my job, got credentialed and all that stuff around January and uh, have, have done a little bit of addiction medicine and uh, then rolled into family practice, which is what I am. I'm an FNP. So my background is FNP. I've been doing that essentially, I want to say full-time-ish <laughs> because it just depends. I'm off on one day a week. But my background is really diverse. I've done a ton of different things from engineering consulting and, and being an attorney and doing a bunch of different types of projects and things. But primarily my background is, is focused in management, um, project management, people management as well, and just dealing with interpersonal relationship issues in the, in the workplace. And so that's a lot of what I bring to the table. So it's how to get people to do things that don't want to do the things you want them to do without having to yell and scream. And it's really a difficult task. And it took me a long time to even get remotely okay at it. And I'm not even saying I'm stellar at it, but I know enough of the pitfalls of what not to do so that uh, I don't make situations worse. I may not be able to motivate everybody every time, but I can do a pretty good job of recognizing reading people about, okay, that's an issue for them, and maybe we can work together to make this issue not as big of a deal and uh, have some common ground. So that's kind of the background of who Jeff is. So I, I apologize, you chronic contractables, which are my, my, my chronic listeners, for me going through that again. But that's it's important because I get a lot of people that PM me and are just asking questions that are kind of like way outside of the scope of what we're doing here on the show. And, and uh, so every now and then if I tighten it up and, and have this randomly throughout the episodes, then sometimes people can have a little bit better understanding of what we're doing. What are we doing with the, the NP Dude podcast? This podcast is not a how to treat someone. There's a ton of those out there. there you know, there's, there's curbsiders and American Family Physicians uh, has one and there's... Um, you know, a bunch of that you can hippo ad or whatever it is. There's a ton of those out there that do that, where they just sit down and they say, today we're going to talk about migraines, and they go through migraines. That's not what I'm doing, because you can get that by going up to date in about five seconds. And and listening to a podcast and using, I've tried listening to a couple of them, and there's a couple that were okay when, when they had good interviewers or interviewees on. But to be honest with you, most of what they were doing is like, you know, family, American Family Physician stuff. They just read the, the journals to you and they try to crack a couple stupid jokes. It's just not fun to me. And so I get bored and I move on. So this podcast is completely on the fly. I'm in my car. I've got no notes. It's whatever you guys want to talk about. You guys email me or you PM me and ask me questions about whether it's practice related. If you're a student or if you are curious about what it was like in law school or if you're curious about... Um, some legality or how to handle a specific issue in your office. Those are the kinds of things that I like to hear about because those are the things that I'm going to encounter as well. And I need to know about them because I'm still pretty new at being an FNP. I'm not going to lie. I've only been doing it for you know 10 months. So uh, that, that's the scope of what we're doing. And if this isn't what you're looking for, then tune off. I'm good with it. Uh, this isn't uh, you know a mandate that you got to do uh, the uh, the NP Dude podcast every day. I appreciate if you do. I hope that you enjoy it. And I'm trying to be a little bit fun too and talk about some fun stuff along the way. So today I want to hand, handle a question that came through. I was tagged in a Facebook post, I don't know, last weekend. And um, I was I was tagged and it was, it was a specific legal question about a provision in a contract. 
And so I, I tend to get a lot of contract questions, and I'm okay with that, because that's what everybody needs to know about, and most people don't understand what the scope of their contract really entitles them to, and, and what it actually, you know, forces them to do, or, uh, you know, locks them into, so to speak. So one, one of the things that, that, I, that I saw in this po- post was everybody freaking out, and I want to explain why you shouldn't freak out. The, the question was, I'm negotiating my contract with XYZ employer. I don't even know who this person was. I can't. Even, I probably can't even find the post now. And in that contract that they're negotiating is a provision that is an indemnification clause. And it says that they will hold harmless the employer for any acts, duties, blah, 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 for the, the contract employee's performance. And everybody was freaking out, and one person said, I had my lawyer look at that, and they said not to sign it, and it was the end of the world, so I didn't sign it. And and you maybe lost a a good opportunity because you didn't sign something. The the problem here is is that it doesn't really matter, (laughs) and I'll explain why. An indemnification is a promise that if you do something wrong, that you you won't push the liability onto the other person in the agreement or other entity. Because in this case, it's a, it's a company that you're contracting with. Why does that matter? Well, if you're a professional, you hold 100% of your liability, especially as an NP. Now, if it was a, if it was a PA, you might get away with having that clause mean something. Because they work under the license of, they have their own license, they're certified, but they also work under the license of the physician, whereas PA or NPs don't. We work under our own license, 100%. 100%. People don't understand that. They say, oh, my supervising physician, blah, 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 blah. We'll talk about that later. That's another one that my, my pet peeve. We'll get into that. You do not work under the physician's license, period. If you have a collaborative physician, you do not work under their license. You do not work under their license. You do not work under their license. You should have your own NPI. You should have your own NPI. You should have your own NPI. Did I say that enough? Because I've had multiple people in the last week say, oh, should I get my NPI? I've been working for this practice for a year. And I'm like, oh my God, you're killing me. You're killing me. Come on, guys. You should have your own NPI, you should have your own malpractice, and you have your own license, you have your own liability, you are your own provider, period, okay? So when you screw up, you own all that liability, period, period. So there's no way you can indemnify someone else anyways. It's a moot point. It doesn't matter. It does not matter for professional liability. Now, general liability is a different issue. Now, if the, if the wording of that provision in that contract says something along the lines of, uh, for any reason whatsoever, including general liability issues, you will um, you know, hold harmless employer, something like that. Then I might say, man, let's fix that, because that's not really what you mean. Because if, if I slam somebody's hand in the door, that's not malpractice. That's just me being klutz. And if, and if I'm just being a klutz, then that goes under, the, that's part of the cost of doing business of having an employee is that your employees are going to be klutz and smash a client's hand in a, in a door. It's not intentional. It was purely an accident. So general liability should kick in. That's not malpractice. And so you can indemnify an employer for that issue, but that's not really what I think they mean. I think they, what they really are trying to do is say that as, as a practitioner, as a provider, you won't um, try to push that liability onto the employer right? But the problem is, is that you can't do it anyways. You can't waive your liability. 
if we did, everybody would have a waiver for them when they walked in the door. Yeah, I'll treat you today, but you got to sign this waiver. I know you got a head cold, and you don't, you know, that's fine. But uh, you're going to sign a waiver that holds me zero liability for how I'm treating you. There's no such thing. You can't do that. So an indemnification clause in a, in a professional service contract for a licensed professional, whatever it is, engineer, attorney, nurse, physician, that, that's really stupid. <coughs> Excuse me. Doesn't make sense to me. So would I sign that? Yeah, I don't care. Now, I might make a little bit of a stink about it because they may not know that I know that it's not a big deal and I might be able to use that as leverage for something else more vacation time, maybe even more CME time, maybe I could uh, leverage that up and get a little bit more cash or more bonus structure or something. You know, hey, man, you want me to take all this liability and, you know, pff, I'm wait, you know, I'm, I'm holding you harmless for everything I do. Well, they don't know that you don't, <laughs> you might be able to just use that as a, as a leveraging tool. Sorry, I'm at an intersection. It's pitch black out. It got dark, man. It wasn't this dark yesterday. It's like, pitch black out crazy all right roads look different in the dark that's all i have to say so as far as the indemnification is concerned i'm not really concerned about that if it was if it says anything about general liability or anything like that then i would say well maybe i would i would try to get that portion of it taken out and then try to use the rest as leverage for something else but in reality, it doesn't really have hurt you. And what's the risk of the general liability? In reality, they're going to go after the malpractice or the uh, general liability insurance policy. They're going to have you turn that in under that. Even though you have this whole harmless clause, it's really kind of stupid. And that's why you have your own liability anyways. You have your own liability insurance. That's, that's why you do that is because you can't waive your liability. So it's easy, right? It's not a big deal. The only time I saw in my in my history of a hold harmless, and I've written and, and edited and and um, I've never zero based drafted, but I would always steal them from somewhere and, and edit them how I want them. But for the most part, every time I would see this was under this circumstance, and it has nothing to do with what we do as NPs. When I was an engineer, we had design build contracts, and these are contracts where you basically start your construction after the very first phase of design and you're still designing while you're building hence the name right so you have a lot of contractors on these sites at the same time doing different things but all using the similar space so if one person gets hurt then they don't want to hold the other people there liable for their employees getting hurt so they all have these mutual indemnification clauses that says you hold me harmless, I'll hold you harmless, I'll take care of mine, you take care of yours, and we all get this job done and make money and go home. And that was the intent of that that provision. So it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense in a service contract for a professional service. Just It just doesn't. Now, if you're not a licensed person, maybe. I mean, you could, you could hold harmless for, a, you know, a you know, a consultant that's talking to you about, you know, weight loss, but it's not a licensed person, then yeah, you could, you know, hold them harmless and make that happen. But as a professional under our license, we can't, we can't waive it. Topic number two, I've seen this happen, I don't know, three or four times over the last week. And it's, it's getting to the point where I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm really not, but I really want us to use the right words. I really, really do because people don't understand what your license means. As a nurse practitioner, I would bet that there's probably, I don't even know, a quarter or half of the NPs out there use the, the wording wrong. 
and, and I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to fix it because if we fix this one thing, this one little thing, the perception of us can change. I really honestly believe that. Z-Dog did a video last week talking about how NDs and NPs and DOs and all these people should just get along and everything should be worked to your fullest extent of your practice and, and scope and, and legal liability and all that stuff. And I thought that was pretty good, except there was one thing he kept hanging up on and I was just like, it irks me because it's been bothering me for a while. And he was saying it too. And it's just proof that physicians that even though well-intentioned don't realize what we have as NPs or any advanced practice nurse for that matter. And, and it kind of comes down to, and I, I've been trying to do some research on PAs and some other stuff and just kind of spread, spreading around, trying to gain more knowledge about all these different people, how we all fit. Because it is, it's confusing as hell. It really is. But Z-Dog kept using one thing over and over again. He kept saying, you're supervising or collaborating physician. As if they were the same thing. They were like clumped together. The same words over and over and over again. And it just showed me that when he was talking about an NP, he was really talking about when he says supervising physician, that's a, that's a PA thing. That has nothing to do with NPs. As an NP, we do not, do not, do not have a supervising physician by law. Anywhere in the United States, we do not have a supervising physician. Now, in practicality, if you work in a specialty, you're going to have a supervising physician. So I'm, I'm trying not to be, you know, overly semantic on this. But, but the problem is, is that when you say it that way, it insinuates that your liability goes automatically to the physician to which you are working or you are working with. And that is not the case. And I think it gives a false sense of security for the nurse practitioners and I think it gives a false sense of liability to the providers that are physicians. Here's the situation. You go and work in dermatology. You are a new grad. You don't know what you're doing. Everything you do, you run by the supervising physician, quote unquote. They are at that point, you know, treating you as though you're basically a PA. Because you're not utilizing your license to the fullest extent. You get sued for something you do that you don't happen to go talk to your supervising physician about. Whether that's what you were supposed to do or not. But you don't go talk to them. And you do something. And you get, you get sued. You 100% own your liability. We just went through that whole discussion, right? Whereas a PA, in certain states, they have to sign off. The physician has to sign off on everything that that PA does. Now, in some other states, they sign off on a percentage. And so it just depends on how much autonomy that state gives to the PAs. But a lot of them, they require to sign off on every chart. So you are a supervising physician in that case. In every state in the union, there is no need for, and it's explicitly stated in the CMS rules, that there is zero requirement for a physician to ever sign off on a nurse practitioner's chart, period. Especially even if you're doing incident two. I mean, like you would think that they would have to sign off. Nope, you own that liability. Now, if you're continuing the original plan of the physician, that original plan, if it was negligent, you're both on the hook, right? You're both on the hook. Him probably more than you, but you're both on the hook. 
But if you see this patient, first patient comes in, it's a family practice, the, the, the collaborating physician, not the supervising physician, say works in that practice, and you see this patient as a new patient, you take over their care, you're doing everything, you don't need, everything's going fine, you don't need them, and something happens and you get sued, that collaborative physician does not have any liability unless they're the owner of the clinic, and at which point they're, the li they're liable as the owner, not a professional. See how it works? So supervising physician to me is the wrong word. We need to be using collaborative physician or just, you know, physician. <laughs> Don't call them supervising. They're not supervising. Now, you as a provider probably have a supervisor in your practice. Someone that says, you know, I can fire you. That's who my supervisor is. The person that could say, don't come back tomorrow is my supervisor. Everybody's got one of them, unless you own your own practice. You do not, you do not, you do not have a, uh, anything but a collaborative. And in a lot of states, you don't even have that. Now, even in states like New Mexico and Arizona, where you don't have a full, where you do have full practice authority, a lot of the institutions are mandating that you have to have a collaborative physician in their practice because that's a term of, that's a term or condition of employment rather than something that is in violation of, you know, you have to practice to the highest extent of your of your license issue that's not that's two different things so if you want to work there then you got to do it that's the problem right so if you want to work there you got to play their rules now some things you can't mandate some things you can but that's an open relationship you can mandate that now it does that violate the rules of the um of the uh state well, kind of, but not really. And the reason I say this is because even though it's contradictory and it says that you have to have collaboration and the state says you don't, it's more restrictive. So it's safer. So the state will never, I guarantee, come down hard on anybody for signing a, a, a collaborative agreement with somebody in a state where they don't really need it. They're never going to come down on them because it's safer, right, in their mind. As long as you're practicing safer or the, to, the, to the maximum of extent of your license then you're okay. Now, if they said, oh, you don't need your license, you can, you know, expand your scope of practice beyond this, yeah, they're going to come down hard on you. So say you're um, doing things as an FNP that you shouldn't be doing, like chest tubes and things like that, and you haven't been properly trained on it, you don't have a postmaster certificate or anything like that, then, uh, you know, them mandating that might be a problem with your state board. That's a different issue. But please stop saying supervising physician. It just, it, it bothers me, and it insinuates that they take the liability and you don't. And I think it gives a false sense to you guys that are out there saying, oh, I'm, not, I'm safe, I got low liability, I'm working under my physician. Well, that may be the case, but you still have your own liability. And it just comes down to what your state rec recognizes as damages. Do they recognize a comparative fault state where they'll actually, you know, compare or contributory negligence type thing? And they'll look at, um, you know, how much percentage you caused the negligence versus the other person? How much damage you caused versus the other for the physician? That, that can be scary. And you don't want to go there. <laughs> you don't want to go there. You're, you have your own liability. You just need to recognize that. It's a pet peeve. I shouldn't be worried about things like pet peeves, but that bothers me, right? I shouldn't get worried about it. Worked up over it, but come on. Stop saying supervising. What else? Do we have something else? Somebody else texted me again or PM'd me again and said, hey, what about um, mandates for your flu shot? I've been through that one. I can't remember what episode it was. I think it was in the 90s. Yes, an employer can mandate that you get a flu shot, and if you choose not to get that flu shot, they can terminate you. 
or make you wear a mask or something like that. That's kind of uh, kind of sucks in my opinion, but it's an open relationship and um, you choose to work there. So it's really up to you. If you choose to work in a place that mandates a uh, flu shot and drug screening and things like that, then you choose to work there. That's your choice. You could choose not to work there, but if you don't get it, they can fire you. So you either comply or find another job. That's, that's unfortunate. Now, some people will say, oh, you can do, um, you know, get a religious waiver or something, and yeah, whatever. I mean, it just depends on how much of a spine your company has. If they say, you know, that's fine. If you want to wear a mask for the rest of flu season, then yeah, you can not get it. But, you know, how important is it for your religion? <laughs> and then people usually will be like, all right, screw it. I'll just get the flu shot. So... That's, that's your choice. I'm not a huge proponent of, you know, mandating people to do immunizations for flu shot because I don't think the flu shot's all that effective. I just don't. I know the CDC claimed last year that it was like 48% effective, but it's kind of a misnomer because when it, when they actually look at the way they word it, it's, it says 48% of the cases that were tested positive would have been covered by the flu vaccine. That doesn't tell that how many of the people actually had that flu vaccine that, that were positive or that they didn't get the flu vaccine. So of 48% of the people that had flu, it was of the type that would have been covered is what it says. Does that make sense? So they may, you know, 48% of the flu cases that had the, that, that had the one that would have been covered by the flu vaccine, maybe 80% of them had the flu vaccine and it still got the flu, right? It just maybe not was as severe, um, but it's the, the way it made it, they make it sound is like, oh, but you have a 50, 50 chance basically of protecting yourself with the flu vaccine. And I don't think that's really what the, what the case was. You're not going to get the flu, right? If you get the flu vaccine, no, you just maybe decrease your severity. I don't know. I just, it's to me, it's a personal choice on that one. I'm, I don't care. Now kids with other immunizations, I'm like, yeah, you kind of should get those. <laughs> that's kind of more important. And, um, you know, I think there's some good research on there, but again, I go, you know, talking about research, man, is a touchy subject. You got to be aware of what the research says and where the resources are coming from so that you know the information that you're giving to your patient or your patient parents is uh, really the most up to date or the most encom- encompassing. And it's not just from some wackadoodle that's on the internet saying, claiming it that looks really, really uh, reliable. But when you really read into it and look at their sources, it's a bunch of junk. So you got to read the resources. You got to look at the, the citations and, and citation chase that stuff down a little bit. See what's reliable. Anyways, guys, I appreciate all that you guys are doing. I've got I don't know five or six people that want me to do contract review for them just from uh, one post and uh, on Facebook, the Ohio Facebook forum, and probably about I don't know six or eight other people that emailed or texted me or in. Um, PM me that, that said that they had questions and I was going to talk to them just to kind of see is there something there that they really require an attorney for. The way I'm doing this is if you guys are in Ohio, this is only Ohio people, so if you call from Michigan and you say, oh yeah, I'm in Ohio and I, I need to see your contract, your contract's going to have a location in it. <laughs> if your location is not in Ohio, I'm sending it back to you. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna keep it. I'm gonna delete the email. I'm not. It's not worth it. I'm not gonna lose my license. So it's got to be Ohio. And what we do is, um, I'll give you my contact information, and um, 
you know, we'll, we'll talk on the phone. We'll talk a little bit about what the situation is. And if I think that there's really anything that's there that requires me to spend more than five minutes talking to you, you know, I'll, I'll send you a price. And uh, you guys email me your information and all that stuff, and we'll go from there. And so it's it's not a big deal. It's real low key. It's not. I'm not making this a big deal. But there's enough people that want me to read documents for them out there that it's like, man, I, I would love to do it. I just I, I'm not going to do it for free. It's just too much time. So it comes out to be a modest fee. It's not a huge price. And the prices that I've told everybody in the previous, if you're going to hire a lawyer to contract and get something, it ain't even close to those. Okay. So this is cheap. This is. Uh, you know, one of the only nurse practitioner attorneys in the country, there's only a handful of us, and uh, probably the only one, if not one of two or three in Ohio. I don't know of any others. So if you guys know of another nurse practitioner attorney in Ohio, I'd love to talk to him just to say, hey, <laughs> let him know who I am. But so far, I only know of a couple of us in the country. So keep that in mind. You're getting getting something that's very specialized for a very, very modest price. And um, I'm just glad to help you guys. So I just want to just want you guys to learn on how to do this stuff yourself. And if it takes me going through and doing a little education and reviewing your contract and the pitfalls in that contract, that might make it easier for you on the next time, next go around, because you're going to have to renegotiate eventually. So thanks for listening, guys. Try to enjoy what you do. It is so much fun working with patients. Trust me. Those of you that have only done done nursing and uh, bedside and then went to uh, FNP or any type of NP school, trust me, we have it good. Even though we work our butts off and we got people that don't like us sometimes <laughs> because they're just angry, but it, most of the people like what we do and appreciate what you do. And um, so just enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Trust me. It's not, it's not nearly as bad as anything else you can imagine that I've done. I promise you. So enjoy what you do. Have fun with what you do. Kick ass as an NP. Stop using uh, supervising physician. That's my final go-to right there. And uh, guys, we'll talk soon.